If you have your Bibles, you might open them with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read uh, what is, uh, by a lot of folks, considered the Christmas story. Not to say that there aren't many versions of the Christmas story in the Bible, but if you think about the classic reading of the Christmas story, you often think of Luke chapter 2. As I mentioned in my prayer, we've talked about the advent or the adventure of hope. And we've talked about the adventure of joy. In fact, I want to thank you for being gracious hosts last week for my friend Rob, who came and shared the word of God with us and shared with us about joy and how joy is not just for easy times, it's for all times, right? Um, I appreciate Rob and his ministry, his mission so much. Um, thank you for your uh, graciousness to me as well. We were traveling for my niece's wedding last weekend, and it was a uh, a beautiful opportunity to be a part of that, and so thankful um, to be a part of that during the Christmas season. So let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, let's read the Christmas story together. Before we do, I just want to ask if you heard the news a few weeks ago. Mariah Carey petitioned the trademark office for the name Queen of Christmas. Did you hear this? Yeah, yeah, Mariah Carey, right? All I want for, isn't that her song? Right, right, right. That her song's been around so long that she petitioned for the ability to be officially, and in fact, she not only asked for Queen of Christmas, but also a trademark around QOC and Princess Christmas because she's releasing product lines that have those names as a part of it. And she, we all know she wrote, in her mind, the original Christmas song. So a couple of people who also have, over the years, called themselves the Queen of Christmas applied legally, uh, you know, kind of counter things in the midst of that to say, hey, that's a general term. There are a lot of us that get called that. And she was not allowed to become the Queen of Christmas. Now, I like Mariah Carey's music. I'm an 80s kid. I like All I Want for Christmas is You. But there are many Queens of Christmas Thankfully, there's only one Prince of Peace. I want to read you his story. In those days, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. I love how sort of nonchalantly that sounds. He went there on this journey of 80 plus miles with Mary, who just happened to be expecting a child. Sounds pretty easy, right? While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news 
that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I love this reading of the Christmas story. The birth of Jesus, the birth of hope, the birth of joy, the birth of peace, the birth of love, of grace, of so much more. By the way, this sounds really peaceful, this story, doesn't it? I mean, just angelic. 80-mile rides. I hope she was riding on a donkey and not walking. It sounds really peaceful, doesn't it? Maybe not so much. Maybe not so much. If, if Christmas has you a bit stressed about all the hubbub of what to do and what you need to get done, if you're in the place where Christmas has you feeling like you're running 100 miles an hour and the world just seems full of chaos... This is a story for you. This is a story for you. And think about the specific way, the specific order in which us humans usually try to bring peace to the world. Seriously. Here's how we hope it will work. We try to... Well, it works like this, we hope. That... The powers that be in the world work with each other enough to negotiate. Hey, guys, come on in. Come on in. No, no, no. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Come on in. We try to say, hey, <clears throat> you know what? There'll be peace in the world if, there's, if, if the powers that be can be at peace. And if the powers that be can be at peace, then maybe there can be world peace and if there could just be peace in our world, like no war for a while, then maybe we could have a season of peace, maybe closer to home. And if there was a season of peace, maybe my circumstances could become more peaceful. And if there was more circumstantial peace in my life, then maybe me and my family, we could have relational peace. And if we could just have some relational peace, then our home could be a physical place of peace. And if that had, had physical peace to it, then maybe somehow deep in my soul, there could be some, some deeply personal, like some soul peace. And I want you to notice that this is a very outside-in approach. And likewise, I want you to notice, it requires almost no accountability of you and I over whether there's peace in the world because, because it's about the powers that be. And it's about what's out there in our circumstances. And it's about all the things we can't control. And if the things we can't control became peaceful, then maybe after that, you and I and the things we could control, maybe those things could begin to become peaceful. 
This is the peace that often our world hopes for. Where the world is right and the politics are right and the season is right and the circumstances are right and the relationships are right and the surroundings are right and maybe my heart can be right. But this more often than not doesn't work, does it? I mean, I don't know. Is there peace in our world right now? Let me check. Not there. Not there. Not here. And not there either. So I'm going to go back through the story one more time, and I want to look for all those levels of peace I was just talking about, the politics, the season, the, 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 all the things we think about at Christmas time. And I want you to see where peace really was in the Christmas story. Now, it begins right out the gate. Within those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. The Romans brought Pax Romana. They brought peace to the world. But be clear, Pax Romana happened because they ruled with an iron fist. As long as you submitted, there was peace. No submission, no peace. So there was a pretend of political peace in the world, but the, war was at, the world was at war in many places. This took place, the first census... That took, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, kind of anchors us in time. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So now there's suddenly the need to go back home. And go back home in this case meant an 80-plus mile journey while Mary's very expecting of a baby. I don't get to really speak to this part because I'm a man. But ladies, has it ever been your dream? like you've looked forward to since you were a baby to one day have your own child and on the verge of that moment be told by the powers that be that you shall journey 80 plus miles on foot or donkey or, or whatever animal they took like, like, how many of you ladies would come up and give testimony right here with microphone this morning and say, when I was a kid, I dreamed of the day that while that pregnant, I could take that kind of journey. I, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Right? Verse 5, and we went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So there's not really political peace. There's not really world peace. Everyone had to go to their own hometown while, while she's this pregnant. They, they didn't have peace in the season. It says she was pledged to be married and was expecting a child. Now today... That's more common. But back then, that was not common. 
And you should instantly feel some of the tension that existed between her and Joseph, between her and her parents. Like this was not their plan for her life. And we all know the story, right? We know the background. We know that an angel showed up and said, this is from God and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And we know that, but do you think they totally understood all this? So there's about really relational peace. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And I'm hearing in my head like, not now. (laughs) Not now. This was not the plan. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was, you guys know the story? No room. No room in the place to stay, no room in the inn, no room in the motel, whatever. You know, they didn't have Motel 6. The Holiday Inn was out of places to stay. This does not sound very peaceful to me, if I'm quite honest. She didn't have physical peace. I'm not sure she had personal peace. I mean, again, I I don't get to speak to this, but have you ladies ever thought, man, like in my life's dream, I want to have a baby. I want to travel 80 plus miles on the verge of having the baby. I want to have no place to stay. Thank you, Joseph, for having that reserved and taken care of. And what I really need when I give birth is some lambs and some goats and some donkeys. Like these are who are helping you give birth. There's almost nothing peaceful about this story. And so a lot of us in the world look at our world much the same way. And when we read the news the way we read this story, we tend to conclude that there's just no peace. Because there's no world peace, there's no political political peace, come on. There's no seasonal peace, there's... there's, uh, uh, The world is full of chaos, perhaps now as much as ever. And in that context... Jesus is born. And when Jesus is born, peace is born. Because outside in peace never lasts. If the the stars ever really align for you to have that kind of outside in peace, I promise you, it lasts about this long. And so hope was born and joy was born and love was born and grace was born. So much of what we celebrate at Christmas was born. Here's the thing I think I want to convince you of today. I'm obviously saying that Jesus is peace. But if you think about it, nothing in this story was about peace until she had the baby. Who is, by the way, the prince of peace. And there's no peace without the Prince of Peace. And I'm actually going to beat up on myself a little bit because Christians like me are very good at saying cute little sayings like that. 
You know, uh, no peace without the Prince of Peace. Or you know the one, no Jesus, no peace, N-O-N-O. No Jesus, no peace, K-N-O-W, K-N-O-W. Right? You've seen like memes of this kind of stuff. And we make it sound like if you've got Jesus, you've got all the peace. And what we try to imply is it means that there isn't pain or that there isn't suffering or that there isn't distraughtness. And the peace Jesus brings is bigger than that. And that's really what I want you to see. And so the one thing I'm trying to convince you of today, and if you're taking notes, the bottom of your note sheet, this would be the blanks. I know we don't have screens, so I'm just going to make it clear. I'm going to repeat it a couple of times. Peace is not the absence of disturbance. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Peace is not the absence of disturbance. Peace is the presence of Jesus. In the Greco-Roman world, they had a vision of peace that, that came from, really, from war. In fact, there's an ancient saying, they, they would say, if you wish for peace, prepare for war. And if you were to read like Homer's Iliad or Odyssey or those kinds of things, you would see this portrayed very much in that way. The Romans brought peace to the world, but they brought it through war. In the biblical sense, there's a couple of key words for peace. The Hebrew word is shalom. The Greek word is irene. And they both convey a sense of wholeness, of good welfare, sometimes even of prosperity. But I don't want us to turn that into if you have Jesus, then your life will be perfect from here on out. Because that would be a sham. Jesus didn't come and be born and then grow up and die for my sins so that my life could be easy. He did it all so that my eternity would be right. So peace isn't found in the absence of disturbance. You know, we have that phrase, disturbing the peace, right? If I were to uh, make a ruckus in the middle of the night and you were to call the police, right, I might be cited for disturbing the peace. But peace is not found in the absence of disturbance. But that's really what we think of peace as. In fact, I want you to sort of repeat after me. Um, Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. All right, so the presence of Jesus... One more time. The presence of Jesus. Jesus. You guys got it. All right. So I'm going to say where it isn't found. I want you to say where it is. Okay. Where is it found? It's found in the. You guys got it. Right. It's not the absence of conflict. It's the. Yeah. It's not the absence of war. It's the. It's not the absence of stress. It's. It's not the absence of anxiety. It's the. It's not the absence of tension. It's the. It's not the absence of worry. It's not the absence of your pastor who's a pain sometimes. So I was reading, this is going to seem rather odd, but I was reading poetry not very long ago. 
I have friends who serve in churches that have a little, little more liturgical kind of background, you know, where there's a little more structure in their services, not as free-flowing as ours are. I don't know if you, we have a liturgy too. I don't know if you say that like in Baptist background churches, but we tend to sing a song or two, have some announcements, sing a song or three, and then talk about the Bible and then have a moment where you can follow Jesus and then sing again. And sometimes we throw an offering in there. So I was reading this liturgy from a book called Every Moment Holy. It was about Christmas. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it had this phrase that really stuck out to me. It said, uh, I'm not very poetic, so be gracious to me here. Our glittering ornaments, our Christmas trees, our festive carols, our sumptuous feasts. By these small tokens, we affirm that something amazing has happened in time and space, that God, on a particular night, in a particular place, so many years ago was born to us an infant king, our prince of peace. An infant king, our prince of peace. So I want to try to make some application for beyond this season, but for this season as well. And I want you to just see that peace is not the absence of disturbance because, because we all think, man, like when I can't sleep at night and I'm laying there and my mind's wandering at 100 miles an hour and I'm going, if God could just remove this and that from my life, then I would have peace. But it's not about removing this and it's not about removing that. It's about who showed up in this and that. Peace is not the absence of disturbance. It's the presence of Jesus. And you're going to say, okay, okay, that sounds really good. That sounds like no Jesus, no peace. There's no peace without the Prince of Peace. You know, K-N-O-W, Jesus, K-N-O-W, peace. I have Jesus, but I'm not at peace. Like, what's wrong here? Surely somebody's got to be asking me that question. So let me give you three keys. Again, notes, back of the note page. The first one, stop looking for peace everywhere that it will never be found. Stop looking for peace everywhere that it will never be found. We look for peace. Like, if I could just get my wife or my husband, I don't have a husband, but if I could get my spouse to do X and Y and Z, then there could be peace. If I could get my kids to do X and Y and Z, then there could be peace. I was doing premarital counseling uh, not very long ago for someone, and they were talking about Christmas traditions, and, and the, the groom-to-be said, you know, our family tradition on our side is that the kids are up by like four or five and they make coffee and warm little like danishes or something that were prepped beforehand. And like we're opening gifts by six. That's what she said. I know there's a couple of kids in the room. I'm sorry, parents. I just gave some ideas. 
to. But I would note for you kids, you never want to get up that early, do you? Yeah. I mean, I get up at four in the morning sometimes, but that's to use the bathroom and then go back to bed. What I'm trying to say is you got to stop looking for peace in all the places that you're not going to find peace. I'm not saying your family can't have peace. I am saying that if your family has to be perfect for you to have peace, then you've put peace off until eternity. If you need the world to stop being at war for you to have peace, again, we're waiting on eternity. And and truthfully, we are waiting on eternity because this infant king, this prince of peace, is about far more than what happens in this realm, in this world. Number two, because Jesus is here, peace is here, literally present in him. I would remind you again, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. I love this verse at Christmas time. You know it, right? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful, mighty, everlasting prince of peace he'll be called prince of peace that that phrase there in hebrew is czar shalom you thought czar was a russian word actually the russian the eastern sort of way of looking at that the the derivation of that comes from from here from hebrew the czar shalom the prince of peace. There's a common uh, blessing that you will find in the Old Testament that is often said uh, by people when they want to wish peace on someone. It's found in Numbers 6. You might recognize it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. This is literally what was happening in the birth of Jesus. So you couldn't see the face of God and not die before Jesus was born. And in Jesus, you can look into the face of God, literally. The babe of Bethlehem is the infant king, the prince of peace, the prince who is peace. Prince who is peace. <laughs> the prince whose life became a peace offering so that I could have peace with God. And out of peace with God, I can have peace from God. I want to give you one more really applicable thought. This is especially for those of us who would say, I have Jesus, but I'm not sure I have peace. God's greatest peace, number three, God's greatest peace is often experienced in life's greatest disturbances. So one of the things I'd have you think about right now is whether or not you're in one of life's greatest disturbances. This is a perspective kind of thing for me where I can look at my life and say, yes, there's 
I, I'm suffering in this way or that way, but I can also look and say, but I'm not suffering in these other ways. And it's not really a comparison thing. It's a presence of Jesus thing. See, what Jesus does is he gives peace through the storm. Through the storm. Not just from the storm. When we pray, most of the time, we we pray for peace from the storm, don't we? I almost always do. I mean, seriously, like if I am called to your bedside at the hospital... I am more likely than not praying for peace from the storm. Now, recognize sometimes peace from the storm means going home. But I pay, I pray for peace from the storm far more often than I pray for peace through the storm. Let's not pretend that suffering isn't painful. In my, and I'm going to be straight with you, in my, I'm a white guy, I'm a man, I live a middle-class lifestyle, I live in a country that has more freedom than the world has ever known, I have a lot, a lot of privileges. And I know our world gets uncomfortable with that talk because that starts to sound political. But I don't mean it politically. I, I mean it seriously. Like, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of things that have been showered on my life that have nothing to do with me. I can easily look into some of your lives and some of my friends' lives around the world, and I can see suffering far greater than what I am currently enduring. And I don't want to pretend and say, yeah, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, sort of flippantly. Like, oh, that means that, that like, your suffering isn't real and it doesn't hurt. Suffering is real in this world. It is painful. God's peace means knowing that suffering doesn't get the final word. Let's say that again. God's peace means knowing that suffering does not get the final word. Jesus does. That God's grip on me is certain. And the peace of knowing that this world and the suffering in this world is not all there is. That peace in Jesus is real. Somebody said to me this morning, they had a medical incident right? Taken to the ER, all of that. And this person said to me, but you know what? I had peace. You know why? Because I knew however it was going to turn out, Jesus had me, basically. That doesn't mean that pain doesn't hurt. It does mean that the peace Jesus gives is eternal. Not, Not just internal eternal not just internal and i would i would bet you every dollar i'm worth that from eternity's perspective eternal peace beats internal peace every time babe of bethlehem is the prince 
who is peace. Peace is not the absence of disturbance. Peace is the presence of Jesus. Knowing that what Jesus has bought is good for eternity. Can I pray that for your life? I don't want to just pray it for you. I want to pray it with you. We always end our services with two prayers, and and, uh, we often sing a song afterwards. But I want to pray two prayers of peace with us today. The first is a prayer of salvation. And if you need Jesus today, here's what you need to know. He paved the way. Like, he paid the price, right? That he was born, this cute little baby that was born after this 80-plus mile journey in this very non-peaceful set of circumstances grows up and took this same journey to the area of Bethlehem, which is near Jerusalem, took this same journey many times in his life. And when he was a kid, they went every year for the Passover to Jerusalem. And in the final long hike of his life, for lack of a better way of saying it, he put his face towards Jerusalem where he would be crucified, buried, and rise again on the third day. And he knew that's what it would take for eternal peace. And if you need him today, he offers himself as a gift to you. The gift of Christmas, the Prince of Peace, an infant king. Maybe you'd want to follow him right now. You'd pray with me just like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I put my faith in you, Jesus. I believe that you died for my sins, that you were buried, and that you're alive today. And so I pray that you would bring your presence and your peace, eternal peace, to my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you prayed to follow Jesus for the first time, I would love, love, love to know that. You can let me know on a communication card. You can tell me after service. You can email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. Online, you can fill out a digital communication card. But, man, please just let us know. We would love to celebrate that with you. Many of you prayed a prayer similar to that some time ago. And today, you appreciate the reminder of Jesus' eternal peace. And so maybe you'd pray this prayer of application with me. I hope everyone will. Dear Jesus, thank you that you have real peace. Please give me eternal peace. Thank you that you give me yourself that you are peace. Jesus, forgive me for trying to solve my lack of peace from the outside in. Show me how to lean into you and your presence through all my circumstances. Give me wisdom to lean into you between now and Christmas.
And then in all those days after Christmas and the year ahead, help me to walk with you. Jesus is a church. We ask that you go over ahead of us. You prepare the way for us to bring your peace, to bring you to our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, his peace is good. It's good. It's not flaky. It's not fluff. It's not pretend. It's good. It's eternal.